So I'm here today with Ike Skeleton. I'm sure you know him. I asked you if you've been keeping busy, and you said you had a couple things you do a week. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a couple of things a week. Yeah, running the business and uh, starting to get involved in county business. So yeah, we stay very busy and a family to uh, to take care of too. So yeah. Yeah, and I was shocked this isn't what the interview's about, but you said you see hundreds of people, or get hundreds of calls uh, a day during the summer with your business. That's yeah, locksmithing during the summer is really, uh, and, and, you know, I was thinking about that last night because I'm trying to figure out how to transition out of it and get my guys involved in it more, and and uh, like I said, just let them start really handling everything, and um uh, I got to think about that. You know, we were just talking about workforce and everything and, and how life is. And I realized, you know, here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and, and maybe it's that way at every uh, um, tourist-type destination, as it were, you know, a vacation spot. Um, you know, during the summer uh, or during your vacation months, whatever the, whether it's Vail, Colorado in the winter, you know, or, or Lake of the Ozarks in the summer, um, you have to have a workforce there that can handle the influx of people that, that come to your area that aren't normally there. But then in the, in the off-season... You don't have that work available, so now where do people go? You know, what do they do if they can't be here? And, you know, also in our situation, uh, a lot of what needs to be done, because I think about the construction guys and the plumbers and all these things, and the overwhelming majority of homes down here are second living homes, right? So the people that come down here only have the weekends, or maybe one or two weeks during the summer to get everything they want to get done on their house done. Because uh, one thing I've also realized that when the people that do call us, I mean, they need it done now, right? They can't, they can't get on a schedule for next week or, or something, right? Because they're only here for maybe a four-day weekend. Maybe they're here for an entire week. And some people do come down here and spend the majority of the summer. Uh, but that's not a lot of folks. A lot of folks are just weekenders, you know. Um, so they need everything done right away. So all of the staffing and all of the different businesses, the service companies around here have to be able to react uh, to customers that quickly and be able to accomplish whatever it is that we accomplish in a very short period of time. So that makes us jump through an awful lot of hoops that maybe uh, some places don't have to do. Um, but that's okay as long as we uh, uh, continue to figure that out and the public uh, you know, we try to make the public aware because uh, they don't realize that too. You know, they're as far as, as far as most families you know, they're the only ones coming down here for the summer. You know, and uh, they may not realize how busy we wind up being because of that. But um, you know, I don't know the numbers, but you tell me. You've been here probably a lot longer than I have. Um, we have what a population I think in Camden County of forty something thousand people, and in the summertime, what does it wind up being? A half a million. Yeah, that's what every year it seems to go up, too, where it just increases. When I first came down here, I heard about how busy the roads got, and they did. But now, I mean, even now driving home, uh, it used to not be like that. Um, I think there's more people here year-round now also just to probably help support the summer months. Yeah, and I think that a lot of folks have moved here. We know this. They've moved here from other areas, and they're doing an awful lot of what they do online or by Zoom or whatever the case might be, or or maybe they'll fly into their their home office, you know, once every month or whatever the case might be. Uh, but for the most part, they're working out of home. So um, I think we're, we see a, quite a few of those folks down here too. So what I have you on for is mental health, but if we could, before we were 
talking on the air, we were talking a little bit about the work ethic right now. And, you know, it got me thinking, maybe that's part of the mental health crisis too. You know, you have to have your mind, body, and soul all in a good spot, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's why some people aren't working. Maybe, maybe they need some adjustment mentally too. But like I was mentioning too, I think a lot of it with younger people is maybe they didn't get the guidance we got or the discipline we got growing up. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you have any thoughts on how to bring it around or how we could help the young people to get the work ethic that's needed to, you know, work like we did, you know, especially I don't know how your father was or anything. My father was born in 29, so he was pretty old school. Mm -hmm. And you worked at 6.30. I was up working mm -hmm. on cars, you know, on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, work ethic was a big deal, you know, and, and you uh, uh, nobody was there to hand you anything, and you needed to go out and get whatever it was you needed to get. And I think that, you know, as generations uh, go along, we want to have better for our next generation, right? But I think we have gone from wanting better for our next generation to maybe showing that next generation that um, they're too pampered. They maybe have too much. Uh, I think it maybe even goes back to uh, our nation as a whole. We have been too free, so free for so long, and have had so many different things at our feet that uh, I think generations now just kind of expect it to be that way. They don't realize the hard work that the generations before them had to put in uh, to make a country the, the way we have it. And I think that a lot of parents today maybe um, do not stress enough on our kids uh, a work ethic at home because we want it to be easier. So they're not doing the chores maybe. They're not, uh, uh, they're not doing things around the house that they need to do. They're not helping mom and dad and do, uh, you know. And um, I think we've also um, taught our kids that you can have an easy way with this computer generation. You know, you don't have to go out and work that hard. Uh, but even in a computer world, the work ethic is still there because, you know, it's not a strong physical uh, effort. You're not out there swinging a, a sledgehammer or, or whatever, a pick and an axe, um, but you have to use your brain a lot harder. And that is, that's still a lot of, uh, a lot of energy uh, expounded on the body, you know, and, and it's still, um, it still needs a work ethic because you still have to sit there and do the work and put in the effort to make it happen. So uh, I think we maybe coddle our children a little bit too much these days. You know, and you brought up another thing that I can really get on my soapbox about is uh, video games. And I know two problems with video games right off the bat is you go and you play your video game and you kill somebody and they can get back up. Oh. And, you know, something happens to you and it's short term. It's not long term. And that's not realistic how life is. But when you're playing that five hours a day. That gets to be your realistic thing. The other thing is, I know a person, the dad's 33, he sits and plays video games all night. Oh, so that's a, that's a children's role model. And so what are they going to want to do? They're going to, whether they want to or not, you always want to do what dad's doing. Sure, of course. And I just think that's, I, I've had a thing about video games for years, probably mm -hmm. way too biased on it, but... It, it's just something back in our day, 
you were outside till dark or till you heard come home for supper. You, you know, you knew what time to be home, but also your parents didn't want you sitting in front of the TV or, you know, video no. games or. Matter of fact, I remember when Pong came out. Yeah, was... yeah right. Tank and Pong. <laughs> Look, when I was a, when I was a kid, and we grew up on the farm a little bit, you know. But I hear the same thing from from uh, uh, friends that grew up in the cities. Uh, yeah. So, like on a Saturday morning, we would get up, we would have a little breakfast and watch a few cartoons during breakfast, maybe. But after breakfast was over, Mom booted us out of the house and didn't want to see us until dinner time. I mean, it just, and if we came home for lunch, that was strange, you know. We usually came home for dinner, and that was about it. You know, kids, you didn't eat much. You, didn't, <laughs> you just ran around the farm all day long in, in, in the woods and played and did whatever. And, and in the summertime, when we were out of school, yeah, you didn't sit around the house. I don't care if it was 100 degrees outside. You were still outside, you know, doing something. Um, so, you know, I mean, we've just general, generationally changed um, our... Uh, entire economy has changed. We've had more people brought out of poverty than ever before, uh, yet we still see an awful lot of people in poverty. And, um, you know, mental health-wise, I think that, you know, we, kids, when you and I were growing up, we didn't know anything about, at least I didn't, anything about what was really going on in the outside world about politics or all these other sorts of things. And now it seems like the kids are being drug into an awful lot of this stuff. And especially when it comes to, and this might be a touchy subject for some people, so be it, uh, this entire wave of uh, uh, gender questioning and all these other different sorts of things, you know, what are we putting on our kids to have to think about? Uh, why are they even worried about whether they're, a, I mean, it's just... It's like we're asking our children to figure out so many adult things that their mind really is not prepared for that yet. They still need to be figuring out what two plus two is, and and, and I think maybe that's another issue too in school. Um, are we really teaching just the basic stuff, you know? Or because I look at some of the math today, and I have no idea what the heck it is. There isn't a. You know, you don't, they don't memorize uh, uh, multiplication tables anymore and, and a lot of things of that nature. That, uh, and, and we don't do cursive writing much anymore. Um, so, you know, I, I, just, uh, I think it's a societal change that is uh, actually more detrimental than it is uh, productive. I think part of it, like I told you, and people probably get here, sick of me hearing these numbers, but are saying these numbers, but one in two young adults are having mental health issues. And I think part of it is we're overloading them. Um, and like you say, not giving them skills that take time. It takes time to memorize something. Um, if you don't have to memorize that, you're off to something else. You have your computer on, you have your phone on, you have your TV on. It's just so much sensory issues. And you're seeing stuff that's not realistic. How many times, I'm sure you know people on Facebook that look one way on Facebook, but you know them personally and they're a mess. But, you know, they see the perfect world and want to try to live up to that. They want to be successful. You know, you, your CEO, they don't see that. It took you 20, 30 years to mm -hmm. get to the point you're at. Mm -hmm. So everything they see is almost like a perfect world. And they have it coming in from so many different directions that it just overwhelms them. 
I mean, like you said, when you were younger, you didn't have to deal with real world stuff and they're just inundated, you know, and we have beliefs that we take in when we're in the crib and, and your parents and a big role is your parents. And I don't think we parent the way we used to. And I don't want to make this whole interview about back in the good old days, but <laughs> right. you do yeah. have to you have to decide to be a parent rather than a buddy all the time. Yes, amen. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent correct. I think we want to, um, along with having things better for our kids, uh, I think we start looking to them as peers. And I was just reading something um, yesterday, as a matter of fact. An individual put out a little thing and said, don't high-five kids. Oh, why wouldn't you want to high-five your daughter you know, or your son or whatever when they just you know, did something? Well, because that is, a, that is putting children on the same playing field and the same level as adults. And I think that we also have elevated our children into a position of, e- of equalness along with, uh, along with adults. And they're not. Children are children. And um, it isn't fair. Uh, there isn't an equality from, uh, from uh, uh, adult to child. You know, uh, growing up, maybe not so much in my family, but I've heard this a lot. Dad, head of household, would get the biggest piece of chicken, you know? And then mom might get the next, and then the kids get what's there. And um, that is a hierarchy that we have lost. And I'm not saying that that's a... A hierarchy that we need to have don't don't misunderstand but there's somewhere there in the middle you know kids are kids and kids need to do what kids do and adults are adults and we need to stop thinking that they are our equal and realizing that they are the children and that they need to be taught and raised a certain way you know I mean, how many times when you were a kid, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say, you know? And, but there is some truth to that because there are things. And, and look, society has branded it that way, right? So a kid can't go to a bar and have a drink. A kid can't go buy cigarettes, right? They can't join the mill. So there's a lot of things kids can't do, which then also blows my mind when we want to think that a child at six or seven eight or ten can figure out what sex they are and whether they want to change it or not. So, you know, it, it just boggles my mind with what we're trying to get kids to do and where we're putting our children these days. Kids need to be kids and adults need to be adults. And you need to start being better adults to your kids. Well, and I agree. I don't know what's wrong with an adult that would talk to an eight-year-old about that. Uh, you know, it's not right. And I don't care if it's about what sex you are or about sex at all. I mean, it, it, that's not a topic for eight year olds, you know, and I know I'll probably get people that are mad at me about that, but it's, uh, it's something that shouldn't come up. And I don't even think at 12, you know, you know, into your teen years, of course you want to address it before they get active maybe, but you don't don't talk about it and put it in their head at a young age and have them worrying about growing up stuff when they have to a lot of childhood to go through and they have a lot of adolescence to go through and then they get into the teen years and adulthood you're giving them adult problems at 
a very young age, and it just doesn't make sense. That's exactly right, and I think with uh, TikTok and other types of social media, uh, just in general maybe, we are also um, uh, influencing our children in how they have to be. You know, you have to uh, have this type of clothing or you have to have this type of whatever or, or uh, you know, we're, we're putting more emphasis on uh, vanity appearance uh, and, and, and how you act or whatever, you know, instead of uh, or, or do you have some can you put some song together or some dance together, you know, and be some big deal on on TV or Internet or YouTube or what have you instead of just being yourself and using your imagination to figure out where you want to go as a human being and allowing uh, casual interactions. In other words, when you were, we were a kid wandering through the woods, we didn't know what we were going to step on next. So you had to discover that, right? There's, there's a discovery in things of that nature where it seems today there isn't a whole lot of desire to have that discovery of things. It's more of what can I do to be discovered than to go do my own discovery. Yeah, and I agree. I, yesterday, I picked up a hitchhiker who turned out he was homeless, and he made bad life choices for a lot of years, um, getting back to mental health, and he uh, turned to alcohol. He's been sober now four months, and it kind of made him wake up. But he spent his whole life not well-adjusted, you know, not having a place to live, uh, you know, probably half the time from what he said. And uh, it gets to that point where I'm worried about the young generation. Who's going to take care of the young generation when we retire and can't? <laughs> you know, when that f the funds aren't there, if nobody's working, and I know people think that they get their tax return and it's great, but that's your money. Yeah, You yeah, paid you, in that money. Yeah, you let them keep it for too much too long. Yeah, that's right. Right, and so if nobody's paying in that money what's going to happen eventually down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to have solutions and be more solution focused on how to correct, you know, the adults that never learn skills, uh, mental health skills, or, you know, just dealing with things and also job skills. And we also, for the young people now, cause it's just going to keep snowballing. And I, I don't know that I have the answer for it. I have some of the answers for it, but I think it's something that has to be addressed or it's just going to keep growing. Well, you know, there's one big, one really big factor, too, that um, I think has occurred here in, in uh, maybe the world in general, but I think the world's probably already been that way for a long time, but maybe America more specifically. You know, when we were founded, and I don't care who wants to say that we weren't founded on a Christian nation, they can come up with whatever un, unreal uh, fantasy they want to, but the reality is the overwhelming majority of our founders were Christian, and they held those beliefs, and they moved here because they could exercise those beliefs freely. Uh, that is why uh, the white man left uh, England and left Europe to begin with, was to come to a place where they could not, they would not be persecuted, that they could uh, worship God as they wanted to worship, worship God and Jesus Christ as they wanted to worship him. And one thing about having that good base is that you know that there is a higher power than you, a higher power than the state, a higher power than the sheriff, a higher power that one day you will ultimately answer to. 
and that's going to affect your entire eternity, right? So if we don't believe that there is an eternity anymore, then what is the difference in having this, you know, ultimate power to to hold you accountable in the end? So now, who holds you accountable? You and or another man, right? And in the end, that is very fallible because we are all very fallible. Um, so by removing, or the government is the ultimate punisher, right? Um, when in reality, that's not true. Uh, you and I know both the ultimate punisher and the ultimate uh, ultimate judge is God Almighty. And when you don't have that to fear or think about, then an awful lot of other decisions that you make, uh, I think, are going to be very skewed and uh, could get you down a path that you know, where we are here a lot in America. And, uh, you know, I know an awful lot of, um, uh, I'm not even going to label them, but there's just a lot of people in this country that want God removed from everything that we do. And uh, when you do that, then all of these other little problems step in. You know, they all start creeping in. Um, I think an awful lot of mental health issues, because where were they 100 years ago? Did they always exist? I don't necessarily think they did. Uh, if they did, they weren't identified. So then are, by, by identifying them, are we then making an issue? Instead of before not even knowing what uh, bipolar was, it's just their, that's the way that person's personality was, now that we've labeled it, are more people coming along and saying, oh, well, I've got that too, or oh, that's me, or that's how I act, do I have that too? Um, you know, so um, I, I think in some regards we need to um, really start focusing more on who the ultimate judge in this universe is in the end, and if we do that, and, you know, that too, that's also somebody to rely on, you know, um, to say that you have it in yourself, I don't think you do have it in yourself if you don't have Christ. I really don't. Uh, I think that the only thing inside yourself uh, without the Christ, without Christ being in there in the Holy Spirit is what? Emptiness and evil, isn't it? Uh, so uh, unless you have Christ in your heart and the Holy Spirit in you, then you're going to have a lot of problems, an awful lot of serious problems. And I think that really, when you get right down to everything we've got going on, uh, that's the root of it all, to be quite candid with you. We've moved away from God. We've moved away from Christ. We've moved away from the, uh, from the underpinnings of our civilization as America. And um, until we get back to that, I really don't think there's much of a, a fix. Well, and <laughs> I don't know how much you know about me, but I couldn't agree more. So mm -hmm. I... Uh, I think that's a huge issue. And if you look, you know, we were talking about how people disappeared after COVID, but also look at the church population. Not that, you know, churches are everything. I know there's a big argument whether you should go or not. But the population of churches um, and attendance have just dropped. And people didn't go back the way they should. But I think it even started before that, you know. If you look at Christians, and I'm going to go over to the right so people know I pick on the right too, but, you know, if you look at Christians, how much we've changed. For instance, every, I went to a Bible study, talked about adultery, and it talked about, uh, you know, lying, and it was for an hour and a half, it was a video, and then it talked about being gay. When we were done, people jumped on the gay, the gay bandwagon because they didn't have to talk about how they had cheated on their wife 
or how they had lied, you know, in business and everything else. And I, I say that, uh, you know, if you want to get down to it, I speed every day. And if you really think about it, he says to obey, you know, that's a sin, you know. And I think you really have to think about that. And it gives you that moral compass, too. And like you said, somebody to rely on. I can't believe Christian coach or uh, secular coaches and secular counselors, how they do it. Because what do you got to look forward to? And why? What What is your moral compass? You know. And how much of that really sticks in the long run? You know, if you don't have that moral compass and you don't have God as the, as that rock, then how long does that really stick? How is your foundation? Does it last for a year, two years? Do you need to then go back to counseling, or or is there some sort of a pill you need to be put on, or or whatever the case might be? And uh, so, um, uh, you know, that that's that's a big deal, I think. And if um, you know, I don't know, I, you, Christians in general, I, you know, look at the church for a minute. This is just one part of three parts. We'll be continuing right after this with Encompass Purpose. Thank you.